Welcome to Two Gals and a Glass Half Full. We are Dr. Jess and Dr. Bobby, two physical therapists trying to live healthy most of the time and doing our best to see our personal glasses as half full. Some days that is much harder than others. On this podcast, sometimes we interview others more knowledgeable than us on different topics to teach us about things we do not know, and other times you are stuck with Dr. Jess and I sharing our knowledge and information. So make sure you hit the subscribe button below, follow us on Instagram, and join our free Facebook group to stay up to date on all the two gals happenings. Um, as we continue um, talking about stress, I'm really excited about our guest today. Um, but before we get started, Dr. Jess, what is in your glass? So today I am on coconut water. It's getting warmer here in Florida. And so just trying to find ways to keep my electrolyte balance is helpful. So for me, coconut water is a strategy that I use and it's tasty. I will say I had a hard time getting used to this at first, like the flavor. So like putting it in like really, really cold with ice uh, for whatever reason helped me a lot when I was first um, getting used to the flavor of coconut water. Uh, so, Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? I have just plain water, H2O today, staying on the hydration train. Um, so, at coconut water, I tried it. I, I can't like it. I just have not gotten myself to be able to like it, but I know it has a lot of great health benefits. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today with us is Jackie, um, and I will actually let you tell you tell everyone a little bit about yourself. But before we do that, Jackie, what's in your glass? My glass has coffee, um, but it is a rather tall glass of coffee. So it should be noted that I really do drink cream with some coffee in it uh, <laughs> more than I actually drink coffee. <laughs> I, I'm like that too. <laughs> So tell us a little bit, before we get started with questioning, tell us a little bit about yourself. So let me first say that I was counting on there being copious amounts of editing to this so that I could say whatever I wanted to say. So, you know, we'll see what what comes out now. Um, So I am currently a high school teacher on the North Shore suburbs of Chicago, Um, but I started my teaching career, I think I'm in my 25th year of teaching this year. So I started my teaching career on the west side of Chicago. Um, then I went to the south side of Chicago because um, I was in a program where they moved me around. Um, then I often say the Chicago public schools got so bad that I left the continent um, because then I went to East Africa and I taught for two years. I taught sixth grade in Sudan. And then I taught um, two year, for two years, I taught fifth grade in Mali in West Africa. Um, then I came back to the U.S. and got the job that I have now. Um, along the way, I adopted a daughter, so I do have a 17-year-old who is asleep upstairs, um, and she is the source of a lot of my um, current knowledge and philosophies about handling stress in teenagers. Um, and I have coached sports. I've coached, I coached figure skating um, all the way through college, um, and now I am a girls' bowling coach. I have to say, one of my favorite things is your, like, first day of first day of school photo every every year she does like a first day of school photo for herself and it's like my 25th year my 40th you know oh yeah I'm up to like 43rd grade or something yeah (laughs) it's awesome I love it so just love your background and knowledge of like working with kids and working with kids and teenagers in all different ethnicities backgrounds continents you know you get to see 
a wide variety of children out there. Um, so when you are teaching, when you're working with kids, like just overall today, how do you feel like kids are handling stress? Like what are some reoccurring things you see um, with that? So, uh, okay. So the definition of stress is always interesting to talk about too, because there's good stress and there's bad stress, right? So um, I think one of the things that I'm seeing happen now is that a lot of the things that most of us as adults would consider good stress, our teenagers aren't able to differentiate between the two. And so they'll say, I'm so stressed out. And they equate it all as bad stress. And then they start to describe what they're talking about. And some of that I'm saying, well, but that's good stress. You need that. You can't, you know, you can't lead a life without any stress in it at all. And this is where I start to sound like a 95-year-old because mm-hmm. I say, I blame that social media for this um, because I feel like what kids see is that either you lead a stress-free life that's glorious and fantastic and amazing, or you're down in the dumps and it's the worst and like the world is, the sky is falling down. And so kind of getting kids to realize that there's a middle ground there, I think it's the real battle right now. That like some stresses move you along and they're not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what we talked about in our first episode this month is really trying to discern between acute stress and then chronic stress. And that acute stress is survival. It's actually that's what gets you to that appointment on time with kids in school. The acute stress of like this exam is coming up. That's what's going to get them to like focus, get that studying done so they can perform on the test. Otherwise, if you're just like, ah, it's fine, it's whatever, they're not going to put the time into studying and they're not going to get that grade on the test. So it's being having to perform, which is being graded, is stressful. It is. And it's happening over and over and over. Every single class they're taking, they're having to be graded and tested. And so that is stressful. However, that's what gets them to rise to the occasion. That's what gets them to learn the information and to demonstrate that they have the knowledge or don't have the knowledge (laughs) (laughs) to be able to move forward. And so it's it gives you that something to rise to, which is where growth happens. And so but it feels stressful. So that feels negative, even though it might not be negative, like you're saying. And what we're seeing a lot of, unfortunately, is avoidance of that stress because they think they shouldn't have it. And so especially with, um, I, I do not object to the state having given the kids mental health days, but in the state of Illinois now, kids get, I think, five or six mental health days a school year, um, where instead of sick days that are supposed to be like for a funeral or physical illness or something like that, they can take mental health days. The problem is that what kids are doing is they're taking mental health days not actually doing anything to help their mental health. They're, you know, like staying home and they're pretending like school stopped that day and it didn't exist. And so they're doing it on the day of an exam so that then they don't have to take the exam. And then the next day they come in and they're not any more prepared for it than they were the day before. And they've just delayed that stress and actually compounded it. Um, And so getting kids to go through the stress and not avoid the stress, I think is the biggest battle right now that, we're kind of trying to nudge kids through that like it's good. You have to go through it though. And it, it's just, it's part of what this is. 
Yeah, I think I like how you said that they take the day, but then they don't do anything to help themselves. You know, it's it's different if you take the day and actually like, pro, you know, proactively do something to help and put yourself in a better situation. But I and I think we see that in adults, too, a lot of times, too. You know, you just like put it off, put it off until you're like, ah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think if you're um, overall, if you're maybe you're a parent of a, of a child and they're taking this mental health day, maybe there's strategies that could be put in place during this mental health day. Uh, normally, I mean, my child is not yet a teenager, my oldest. Uh, however, like I oftentimes I'm asking him to come up with solutions. And so I'll give him whatever, you know, at this point, you know, he's, he's not that old yet, but like, I'll give him a problem. And then instead of me telling him the answer, like, I want you to come up with some solutions and then let's try them out. There's not a right or wrong answer. We don't know until we try it. So we use the scientific method uh, in order to see like test, retest. And then that's the only way we're going to learn. And so the more that we kind of show kids, listen, test it, see if it helped. If it didn't work, that's okay. All you're going to do is learn from what didn't work. Don't repeat that same thing. Modify it or nix it and then move on. And so I think as adults, we can be using these strategies to show the kids, hey, you can you can really take control over the situation. And then it's going to like calm yourself down. I know for me, what works for one person is what works for one person is not going to work for another person. Nope. And it's not black and white. There's not one strategy. That's the thing. And we're all different. We're all going to resonate with different things. And even with ourselves, one thing is not going to work. It depends on what's going on. How complicated is it? What's going on? Where am I in my sleep cycle and everything else? Like, is it multiple things that are going on? And I think that's where we can just really start at a young age of teaching kids how to implement some of these strategies and regain the control and learn that like a loss or a failure isn't necessarily bad. Like, oh, what? What? Failure's not I, bad? I did a whole big thing with my class last year um, on because we have homerooms um, on um, celebrating failure and celebrating giving up. And it like kind of blew their minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The key, the key to success is lots of failures. That's really right. what it comes I down al- into, right? I always say, if you haven't been successful, it means you haven't failed enough. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like you haven't tried, or you haven't tried. If nothing scared you, you haven't tried enough new things. You know, like you got to get out there and put yourself out there. Yeah. So I think like the acute stress that's oftentimes being felt, I think I can see this a lot. I mean, I do have, you know, teenagers that come in. So I always love picking their brain a little bit uh, as far as like, you know, what's going on in life, what's cool. I have them teach me some like, you know, trendy words. And then I use them incorrectly in sentences just to be cringy. Um, <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> I do that to my daughter. I say the Instagram. No. It makes her nuts. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, that's not how it works. I'm like, I do believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, focused now. Um, <laughs> but I do think that's part of it's fear of failure leads to delaying what's going on, leads to increased stress, leads to more likelihood of failure. So. 100%. 
the fear of failure increases the likelihood that it'll happen because you're avoiding everything that could be done to actually get ahead of that and try strategies to work. So I've seen this time and time and time again. And I, I'm not, again, I live in a glass house. <laughs> I, I've done this multiple times myself, especially in school of like, I'm so overwhelmed by like, maybe there's three exams coming up or a paper as well. And you feel like there's so much going on. There's no way you're going to get it all done. And somebody's like, Hey, do you want to go do X, Y, or Z? And you're like, absolutely. <laughs> that sounds way better. <laughs> For sure. That's right. way better than living in this, whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> so as a teacher, what kind of strategies do you use to help students understand that all of this that's being put on their plate really is possible. Like you're not asking too much of them. So I'll really try to get the kids to um, break everything down into smaller little chunks. And especially since COVID, I mean, one of the things I've realized, even pre-COVID, kids weren't really getting as much of the sort of like executive functioning stuff as they should have been getting. Um, But since COVID, like, when teachers had to lost time in the classroom and lost accessibility to teach, they what they lost instead of getting rid of content is a lot of teachers got rid of that sort of executive functioning type stuff, that stuff that helps you get through like how to make flashcards to study for a test, how to write stuff down in your assignment notebook, how to, you know, do all these little itty bitty things that we don't realize kids have to be taught how to do. And I think that's what went out of the way when teachers were just in survival mode and they were like, oh my God, I have to teach this stuff. Especially like I have the luxury, I'm at a school where I don't, and I teach a subject where I don't have to worry about like state standards or anything. There are no state standards for forensic science. So I got to get rid of whatever I wanted to get rid of. And so I can teach all of this stuff. So I literally do how to read a textbook. Um, and some of my kids are seniors and they're like, what do you mean? I can't just read it like a novel. Um, and so like, I'll do all that kind of stuff. And so I'm finding that I have to do more and more and more of that kind of stuff. And so I will now sit the kids down and say, all right, first of all, you're trying to use your online management system that every school has now will generate a to-do list. That can't be your to-do list because there are things that exist outside of your computer. So let's find a way to make a to-do list that's separate from your computer that includes those things. Um, let's talk about how you can do a task. You don't have to do 50 tasks, but you can do a task and check it off. And then at the end of that task, ask yourself, is there another one on this list that I could tackle really quickly before I then go take a break and go do this other thing for 10 minutes, which I will set a timer for so that I don't go over my 10 minutes and then come back to my list. And so just really getting them to take these things that seem like these gargantuan tasks and break them down into itty bitty things. And of course, I know this because I have to do this for myself (laughs) because I can't have a to-do list that says clean the kitchen. I have to have a to-do list that says sweep the floor, mop the floor, (laughs) wipe down the countertops, do the dishes in the sink, empty the dishwasher. Like I have to check off every little thing because if it just said clean the kitchen, I'd be like, "Mm, no, I'm going to go watch TV for a while. I like that giving like specific tasks and specific things. And I think those are as adults, those are things that we forget we need to teach kids. 
um, because it's something that comes, well, and I'm not going to speak for all adults, but for me, it's something that comes natural is to like, you know, all of that type of stuff um, and knowing putting limits on and things like that. Like I have limits on my phone for social media that alert me when I've been on for a specific amount of time. And yes, I can choose to extend it, but it also is just that mental awareness of like, oh, maybe I spent a little too much on there today. Um, yeah, you have to make a conscious decision to keep doing it. Right. And so I think those are things that we, at least I, you know, I just, I think kids know, I think kids understand and it's amazing kind of what we actually need to teach them, especially, you know, you're working with seniors. You would think by the age of 17, 18, that they're about to go, some of them in the working world. And you would think that they would know this, but in reality, um, if it's never been taught to them, how, how can they know something they've never been taught? You know what one of the weirdest things is? That's been, this is like, this is such a weird thing and it drives me nuts is that they want to get up and go to the bathroom, like in the middle of a lecture, they'll raise their hand and be like, can I go to the bathroom? I'm like, no, there's stuff going on right now. Like, I understand you need to go to the bathroom and class is only 40 minutes. Like, You had time to go to the bathroom beforehand. You have time to go to the bathroom after. And they're like, but I have to listen to my body, Miss Canan. I'm like, well, listen to it before class <laughs> and ask it how it's doing. <laughs> but it's just like, and I say, like, if you're in a meeting in a meeting for work, or you're not going to be able to get up and just go, you're going to have to actually plan that and do something to say, well, but in college, we're not going to have to ask you to go to the bathroom. And I said, that's true. But in college, the professor is not going to tell you what you missed either. And so like, you're going to come back here and ask me what you missed. And I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. So it's like, that's one of the like weird things where I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> and then of course I do let them go. But <laughs> Right. But just teaching them to plan, <laughs> teaching them to like think ahead and like prepare themselves to sit in the class for 40 minutes. Most of us can... <laughs> I'm close to being due. And so yeah. sometimes, even though I went 40 minutes ago, I have to go again. So there are some occasions, but yeah. most time for kids, like you can go 40 minutes without going to the bathroom. Right. Barring like, some, kind, some sort of medical situation. Yes. yes. You, be <laughs> yes. you can wait. Yes. And even then, most of the time I can wait too. But the world's tiniest bladder. So if I can make it through a class, anybody else can make it through a class. <laughs> but I think that brings up a good point is that, what do you need to do to set yourself up for success? So what are like the basic check boxes to do that? And that starts like even like on how you set up your morning. So a really simple thing is how do you prepare for whatever it's going to be to have a good day? And so leaving the house with everything that you need so that you're not in this like panic rush, whatever is key. So what do you do to prepare for that? Well, the night ahead of time when everything's quiet Make sure your lunch is ready, water bottle is packed, school bag is packed, double check that all of your homework assignments were complete. So just like a typical, even that is a checklist. What do we need to have a good start to the day? That way you get up in the morning, you get yourself ready, brush your teeth, and it's all ready to go. So now you're not like going, oh, I didn't get my snack. I forgot my water bottle, all the stuff that's going to make the rest of the day not go so well. So it's mm -hmm. like, Having all of that lined up in advance is like nice and easy. Before you leave the house, 
go pee. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. That's, I mean, I do it for myself. Like I don't ever, I don't care if I'm going grocery shopping, if I'm just doing one errand, I do the same thing before, like I leave work to drive home. I don't have this like fear of like, something's going to happen. I'm going to be on the side of the road. I'm going to have to pee. You know, no one wants to have to pee in the woods when you're on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know why, but like, but anyway, I always go before I leave and So just having those strategies ready to go, it just like lines everything up so that now when the real stressors are coming at you, like at least you're not doing like dealing with the stuff that you could have prevented. (laughs) See what I mean? Totally. And with technology too. I mean, so much of our stuff at school is, and at work also, is technology. And so kids will say, oh, well, my Wi-Fi is not working. Well, this was a foreseeable problem. So Mm -hmm. You know, what, what can you do? Or we have, we're at, we're a one-to-one school. And so the kids have iPads. And so a kid will say, well, my iPad app isn't scanning right now. Can I use my phone? And I said, well, have you been to IT to see why, what's wrong with your iPad? No. Okay. (laughs) This is going to be an ongoing problem. So yes, you can use your phone to scan this one time. And as soon as you walk out this door, you need to go to IT and you need to get situated because this can't, like, this problem needs to get solved. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then I'll find out it's been a week since their iPad's been able to scan and they just haven't done anything about it. And so it is mind boggling sometimes how they have these smaller stressors that they will hold on to and keep in their stress basket as opposed to just like really easily taking a trip to IT and getting it solved. So that kind of leads like an interesting question, especially with all of your years of teaching. Um, do you feel the amount of stress that kids experience has changed over the years or like has the type of stress changed? Um, so maybe it's not amount, but just different than like what we experienced when we were in school. Um, yeah, I think it's a different, I do, I definitely think it's a different type of stress. I mean, I really didn't, you know, have to worry that uh, not that kids actually do worry, but I didn't really have to worry that anything I put out on social media was going to come back at me. Like that wasn't a thing. Um, although I did dredge up a yearbook picture of a colleague. Um, she and I went to high school together and I dredged up a, an old yearbook picture of her and I used it as like a prank and I showed it to our mutual students and she thought it was absolutely hilarious. And I used it as part of a discussion about being careful of what you put on social media. Um, but so like they have to worry about that. I think they have a lot, I think they probably deal with a lot more imposter syndrome in terms of what sort of life they're leading, because I think they have that pressure to lead that Instagram life or that TikTok life. Um, And they think that's what life is supposed to be like. And they don't realize that that's not what life was like. Whereas like when I was a kid, like it was just what you saw in your hallways. And so whatever was happening in your hallways at school, that was what you were comparing yourself to, which was bad enough on its own. (laughs) Um, But I wasn't comparing myself to kids from schools from completely different socioeconomic statuses and, Mm -hmm. you know, all over different parts of the country and different types of family makeups and all that. Like, they've got a lot more to compare themselves to and worry about trying to get to. I think also... The college stress is insane now. When I was in high school, it was okay to go to vocational school. It was okay to go into a trade. It was okay to go do those other things. And now I feel like, I mean, as early as kindergarten, Eloise was in schools where 
every teacher had a college banner in their classroom. And then like they were doing college things or whatever. And I was just going, it's okay if they don't go to college. It's all right. There are other options. There are other things they can do. And so I think that stress starts really early. Um, and so, and it's because the college stuff is just so much more accessible. Again, when I was looking at college, it was what names do you know and who sent you pamphlets in the mail? And now they've got the internet and they've got access to every single college in the country. You know, I applied to three schools. Kids are pay- applying to an average of 10 schools at my school now, um, which I, my mother never would have paid those application fees. Uh, but- right? Well, that's, I read something and it really made me think, um, which is so true is like asking, like talking to, um, basically what I was saying is they were at a graduation party and, um, the person noticed that everyone's asking, what college are you going to? What do you, what are your plan? You know, like this. And the kid was like, Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And so this person made a conscious effort to decide to say, what fun things do you have planned for the summer? Like, where, what are you going to do? And that he, they said that the kid just lit up and talked about how they want to travel and that they want to do, they didn't want to go to college and they want to do this. And like, it just made me, and it, it was this year that I read it. So it really makes me realize when I talk to kids, I no longer say like, what college are you going to? What are you plans? Like, I'll ask them like, what fun things do you have? Like, what are your goals? What do you want to do in life? You know, like leave it open-ended for them to not feel that pressure because it really, college isn't needed. And I know so many kids, friends that are adults that are financially way better off than I am right now because they didn't go to college. They started working right out of school and they're making more than I do, uh, you know, and we need those trade schools. Like we need mechanics, we need plumbers, we need air conditioning, you know, like our houses can't run without them. And I for sure don't know how to fix them. So, like, we need all those types of jobs and people willing to fulfill those shoes. Not everyone's meant to be a doctor, lawyer. And um, they're great jobs because when you're a plumber, you go fix stuff and then you're done with your day and you go home and you don't have any, you don't have papers to grade, you don't have reports to write up, you don't have... Like at worst, you're on call for the emergency services and then you're going to get overtime. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, there's, I mean, I, so I've de- it's definitely, that is one part that ha- I have really changed about how I talk to kids, how I ask kids, um, because I, I realized the importance of, of that and the stress of that. Totally. So as far as like from your experience, what are some of the current coping mechanisms that you see? most often utilized effectively with some of the teenagers. Oh, you threw that effective word in there. Um, It makes it a little tricky. Uh Um, I think the ones who are really conscious, so avoidance is always what everybody wants to do, right? Um, But I think conscious avoidance is okay in the sense of I'm going to avoid this for half an hour. I need to give myself some time to decompress. I need to go talk to a friend. I need to watch TV. I need to put on my headphones and draw for a while, but I'm only going to do it for half an hour. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to start to tackle some of the tasks I need to tackle. Um, I think definitely kids are really good about checking in with their friends um, and talking to their friends and working stuff out with their friends. Um, interestingly, kids now are... Kids these days, again, I'm 90, um, are great about going to therapy, talking about therapy, talking about mental health, talking about coping strategies with each other. Um, there is so much not shame 
in going to a therapist and saying like, well, this is what my therapist told me last night and da, 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 da. And they will share that with their friends and their friends are like, oh, that's really interesting. And so I think that sharing with friends piece is really important. And they're, they're really good at that. Um, what else? Um, exercise. I mean, exercise is amazing because it gets them. And I know for me personally, my mom would tell me to exercise and I'm like, shut up. Cause that just seemed like more stress to me, but really, you know, once they go out, because then it just gives your brain that time to churn and process whatever it needs to churn and process while you're doing whatever this exercise activity is. Um, and so I think exercise is really huge too. And it just gives your body a refresh as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when I was in grad school and we'd be studying, you know, there's so much studying. Uh, one of the things that we would do that's like guitar hero was like a, you know, a really popular game then. And so we would take this, we would take these breaks we get through like a section and, and we would take a break and we would allow ourselves two guitar hero songs. <laughs> so it was like, yep. it was like, predefined amount of time and the cool thing that we noticed is one it kept us more alert when we were studying and it made our brain work in a different way so when you're playing guitar hero you're visually tracking on the screen but then you're doing motor control with your hand and so obviously being physical therapy students we're like super geeky about that kind of stuff however that was actually quite beneficial to like get the neurons in the brain waking up. You know, it's, it is a little stressful, right? Because like you're having to hit it before it leaves the screen. So there's the <laughs> acute stress part of it. It's raising my respiration rate. It's raising my heart rate. You know, everything's like beating a little bit faster. So that's actually a version of stress, right? Playing a video game is stressful, actually. Like some of these games are like, I'm like, whoa, this is way too <laughs> grade. Um, but it woke me up enough that I kind of like, whew, all right, now ready to go back to whatever it was that I was focusing on. Um, so that can be like, like I know all of these little breaks that you take, as long as it's not, you know, too long and you get too engaged in it, you forget, you kind of leave your focus. Um, it's crazy helpful for, for studying for mm-hmm. an exam. Um, I don't know, Dr. Bobby, um, what were some of the other things that we did when we were in school? Um, some of the things when we had a lot of things to do is, um, we would go for a run. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we'd run, we just kind of quiz each other, just throw information out. So like, we were still getting the studying done. And, um, it was almost, you know, when I ask a question to, to Dr. Jess, I was asking a question off of my memory. So I had a mem, I had to remember it and then test her and then vice versa. So that's, I think that's another thing we did. Another thing that was really important for us was, if I, or me, I would say is like fr- Fridays were once, once school ended on Friday and granted, you know, we're in school like eight to four, eight to five, you know, sometimes Fridays was a little bit earlier, but it was a long period. Fridays after, after school was done, there was no work that night. Every other day of the week, there was work. There was something that had to be done. But Friday afternoons after school, like we allowed that to be our one time where there was no more work that whole night. That's um, and I think that sacred time. Yeah. Yeah. It was really important for us to like, for me to know, like, if I could just get through, like, Saturday morning came and I would get back up studying. And we'd normally go to the beach. We we're down in Florida. Like, we'd still have stuff we'd do on the weekends, but there was always an amount of time on the weekend that was dedicated to studying. So that Friday afternoon was so sacred because there was nothing. It was just fun. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then we, uh, I think, again, with when we use that time, we didn't use that time to go sit inside and watch TV. So we use that time. We typically, if the weather was good, we'd always be, you know, playing volleyball out at the beach. We'd go for runs. We'd go, you know, like we just typically we'd be outside and we'd be engaging with peers. And so it was our time to get outside, get exercise in, connect with other people. And it like it just kind of like filled our bucket in so many different ways. And because you're like, it, it's hard to be like on and performing and tested over and over and over and over and keep that stamina unless you say like I need a break you can't wait till you burned out to get the break you got to take the break before you're burned out that way you kind of keep that that pace which is what it is when kids are in school it's keeping that pace so that they don't get to the point where they're just like I'm done like I can't Mm -hmm. I'm just going to avoid this completely so how can we catch them before they get to that so re- yeah. proactive strategies instead of reactive. So much of what we do is reactive because then we're like, now this kid's having such major struggles, but like really getting that proactive tendency, I think is going to be um, really key for so many people. Um, I will say a thing I would like to see kids do, but I have not yet been able to accomplish um, is to get them spend to spend some time not having input of any sort. Like not a game, not the TV, not even the radio, you know, the radio, listen to the radio, not even music, you know, um, <laughs> just be because their brains have constant incoming stimulus and they don't have time for their brains just to ruminate, just to kind of exist. So a lot of kids, most kids, even if they are going for a run, they're going for a run with their AirPods in. And they've got music playing or if they're, you know, going to go do something. So I would love to see kids just sit in a chair for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and just do nothing for 10 minutes. And that terrifies them. I've seen kids have a near nervous breakdown because I've asked them to just sit in a chair for 10 minutes. They cannot do it. And it's like they're afraid of what's inside their own heads. Mm-hmm. I think you see it in like a waiting room these days. Um, you know, if you're in a waiting room, everyone's on their phone. Like no one's just sitting there anymore. Everyone has to like find a way to keep themselves busy instead of just sitting, looking, striking up a conversation with someone next to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It freaks my daughter out when she walks into a room and I'm just sitting. (laughs) I think it's important though. Like just being present in your space. I stopped running. I'd say like, I used to listen to music when I would run and, you know, especially once I started pushing a stroller, like I don't, I, I don't like to be uh, distracted. You know, I like to be really aware of my surroundings. However, what I found with that is that I love running without music. Like it is like so great for like being aware of your surroundings. You hear the bird, you hear the wind, you're aware of just like that the change in the sunlight as it's coming across a cloud. It's all of that. You're so much more present in your physical surroundings. And it's really cool what happens when you're not distracted in that presence. Mm -hmm. Same thing with driving. Like if I'm driving, especially like, um, you know, if a lot is going on, I've got like a lot I'm thinking about um, not having anything on and I'm driving. It just kind of helps just that quiet kind of helps everything just kind of simmer back down. And it, it, it's important for us. I, I'm glad you pointed that out to not be so distracted all the time. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you realize, huh, interesting. I've, I think I know what's going on. 
Like I think totally. I've solved so many problems time. during yeah. silence. <laughs> yeah. Big time. And you're like, oh, huh. I think I need to make a plan for this, which I would have never realized that there's this like little bit going on in the background, not enough to like be bothering me, but just a little bit. And then you make the realization. Now you can do something about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just so period the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard. That's a hard thing. So uh, Jackie, one last question before we go. Um, So any suggestions on behaviors or things that we as adults may see in children, may see it as disruptive, see it as defiant, but it's really giving us as adults a sign that this child needs help. Like they're not handling stress well. Um, I think, again, the biggest trigger for me is when I see the kids avoiding. Um, And I mean, and it can be as a parent, um, really obvious in terms of just locking themselves in their room, closing themselves into their room for hours on end, which of course can be normal, but might not be normal. And so kind of keeping on how hard is it to get them out of their room? Um, how hard is it to get them to interact with other people? Because the more and more and more they sort of anchor themselves in there, the harder it is going to be, going to be to pull them out and get them to sort of face things. Um, I think making sure that, I mean, you're, you're checking in. I mean, like I do, I, I don't like, I used to monitor my daughter's online grades a lot more than I do now, but I do still check in. Like I do still make sure because yes, she's 17 and yes, she should be able to be independent and she's 17. Her frontal lobe isn't fully developed. So that structure still needs to be there. Um, and I think just making her go through whatever it is, um, you know, I can say, she said to me last night, I feel like you're not hearing me. And I said, no, I am hearing you, but I can hear you and still not give you what you want. Um, because what you want might not be the best thing. And so that's the hardest thing is when you see your kid is hurting and you see your kid is stressed and you have to get them to go through it and you know, it's going to hurt while they're doing it, but you also know it's what's best for them. So holding that line for them when that line needs to be held, I think is probably one of the biggest things a parent can do when you notice your kid doing that squirming, I got to get out of this thing. I will definitely say there were so many times I was frustrated with my mom growing up because I would want her to solve it for me. Can't you just handle this? I have so much I'm dealing with right now. Can you please just take this one thing? And she would like so calmly, what have you done so far for this? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> nothing. Mm. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that you haven't tried anything and you're frustrated that it's not working. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> is, am I, am I correct in the statement? Yes. Hmm. Try one thing, then come back to me. Ugh, fine. And guess what? That one thing oftentimes worked. <laughs> yeah. And then like, and she wouldn't rub it in my face or anything, but she might check back in a couple of days later. Oh, hey, how's that? Whatever going on. Oh, it's fine. You're like, hmm. Interesting. I'm like, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but what it taught me is that sometimes just one thing pushes you forward. And so had I leaned on her to fix it for me without trying something myself, it would have created dependency, which is what she was trying to teach me to not do. She didn't want to create a dependency when I needed to be independent. You know, like if I'm going to be an independent adult, I have to go through these strategies when I'm in the house to learn that I'm capable. 
And so it's okay if they gripe at you. Totally. Yes. I griped. <laughs> and if they're griping, it might mean you're doing something right. Right. Yeah. Um, as long as there's intention behind everything and there's meaning and logic and reason, you know, Absolutely. like you're actually, you are actually listening to what they're saying. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Jackie, we really appreciate you coming on. I think overall, when we're talking about stress awareness, it's something that, you know, we can think of ourselves and adults and we think of jobs and how stressful that is and finance and households and everything else. Oftentimes, though, we forget that our youth are in a much different type of situation that is really hard on them. And so how can we be using the same strategies that we use for ourselves, but modifying them to make sure that we're helping them come up and so that that way they're better able to handle what we are now handling as adults, which is just the different kinds of stress, you know, between, you know, like families and workplace and, you know, financial management and preparing for the future, making sure you can retire one day, all the stressors that come up. It takes work along the way to grow and develop. Um, so uh, definitely follow us along. We are continuing to grow with our podcast this year. And so we're going to be jumping into uh, more topics after we leave stress awareness. So stay tuned. Uh, we are on social media. So follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We have a closed group on Facebook as well. And then we also have our Two Gals Insiders, which is a closed membership that is um, available. You can t- check out our website, which is www2 dashgals.com. The information is linked below. Uh, And then in that we have access to all sorts of mindfulness information with exercise, nutrition, mental well-being, like meditations, things like that. It's available in an app. So that way, a lot of what we're talking about with stress awareness and stress reduction, stress techniques are easily implemented via using uh, an app, which is fun, right? Uh, We are technologically savvy. So our challenge this (laughs) week, (laughs) not really. But our challenge this week is to, um, if there is a young person in your life, uh, do try and find one area where you can help to support them. And so whatever that might mean for them. So just bring some awareness to that and see if see if they can uh, start to learn along the way and you can be part of that growth process. So, all right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for what we have coming up next week. <laughs>